Welcome back to episode 123 of the Blockrunner podcast. Here is where we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel to follow along with our discussion. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Iman, and here are some of the topics we discuss today. First up, examining the bear market cycle and its effect in the crypto space. Next, discuss the potential value of Bitcoin in the economy. Then we look over the lifestyle of the metaverse and life inside virtual reality. And finally, predict what will happen to the U.S. government if they don't accept Bitcoin. All right, let's listen in. Welcome back to episode 123 of the Blockrunner podcast. I'm your host, William, always here with your co-host, Iman. What's going on, dude? What's up, dude? This is uh, 123. 123? Yeah. Oh, is there a significance to that other than like a sequential? No, there's no significance. Good. One, two, three, dude. One, two, three. Yes. Let's go. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about Bitcoin. Um, we're going to be talking about Ethereum this- Merge. <laughs> Basically, it's the state of the markets and the state, and the state of, of markets. Yeah, I guess everything, dude, because this is kind of like uh, what you do in a bear market. So, yeah, we were born in a bear market and uh, we returned to the bear market. That's right. So what were we doing when we first, you know, conceptualized the idea of, you know, a podcast? Well, Obviously, we, we were sitting at a table eating some tacos. Some but why? Because like crypto just it came and went. Yeah. Right? And then we were like, dude, what the fuck was that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was that stuff all about? So we, you know, yeah, we shared similar interests, right? Yeah. And not many others around us did. So it's like, it was almost like a therapy sesh. It's <laughs> like we get to like vent our feelings about like, damn, dude, it's like yeah. crypto is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And then through those conversations, like, damn, maybe other people want to know about what it is we're talking about. Yeah. Right. So here we are. What? <clears throat> four years later? Is it? No. Wait, 2019? Almost. Almost. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, back in similar conditions. And I think a lot of you guys in the, who were exposed to this previous cycle are probably sitting around having those similar thoughts of like, <laughs> dude, what the hell just happened? Where did all my value and money go that I thought I was going to yeah. get rich and shit? You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys, if you did semi well, you already had those dreams of Lambos. and Yeah. Everybody, every YouTuber <laughs> was saying 100K Bitcoin or yeah. above. Yep. And you bought into it and it and didn't get it there. It didn't happen. <laughs> and they're all telling you to like hodl now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so they don't you don't they don't get sued. Things like this, right? And this is very typical. It's cyclical. It already happened many times and it's gonna continue to happen into the future. So Yeah. Let's talk about it. You know, and what's interesting about these cyclical uh cycles is that they happen within a time span that is very hard to like package. In a, in a way where you can comprehend that we're in a bear cycle right now or we're in a bull cycle. It's like it is we're so deep into it that it's hard to know where we are when we're there. You're talking about like us specifically, like you and I? No, just, just emotionally, like when it's like <clears throat> oh, when we had $69,000 Bitcoin. Yeah, but we it, knew. It wasn't obvious to sell at that point. No, definitely not to sell. But it was obvious <clears throat> we are in like a very hot market right because like was it that hot though dude it was extremely hot like dude like every like meme coin imaginable took off you know every meme nft project then exploded but (laughs) if it was so hot then it would have been clear to sell right yeah but but the the that's the hard part is is because it's not like how it used to be in you know 2017 2018 cycle there was much less mainstream participation i think so like the the indication of a top yeah was whenever you start to hear everybody you know oh, like, mumble crypto yeah things. paris hilton coming in akon everybody yeah your taxi driver you know everybody uh, yeah. was like you know, you know have you heard of this crypto thing it's like but you know, but but now crypto is more mainstream you would think that there would be more more well, was. more higher value more well there was higher crazy, value more crazy the price went pretty high, dude. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, sixty k or so, roughly Bitcoin. Three times the previous all time high. I mean, yeah, within four years, like that's pretty juicy, you know. Is it? I think so, but obviously not what we expected, you know. Yeah. Again, there was these models concocted, and we're gonna revisit them here in a little bit because that's that's yeah. the thing to do. Yeah. Especially when you're talking Bitcoin and like trying to analyze state of the market, what what phase of the cycles are we in? 
there's people out there actually churning out real research and like analytics and stuff. And yeah. they're, they're, they're creating these models for, for, for a variety of reasons. You know, they service traders very well. Yeah. But like, like, uh, sometimes they can be a little too, um, inaccurate. Just, well, not even, it's not even inaccurate. It's just, you know, you, if you believe in them wholeheartedly as like, this is like a definitive trajectory to like an assets, you know, you know, uh, future yeah like it, it can you know cloud do, it can do damage to you in the long run like it did to a lot of people yeah and all i'm talking about here in this i don't know if they could see it right now yeah let me zoom in here yeah this particular model you know when you if you're just just not getting exposed to it you know the first thing i would notice is the top and bottom bands that this bitcoin price trajectory is within yeah right so me i would like to use that as guidance for when i want to enter and exit this market right mm -hmm. so a lot of people bought into that idea and concept and were expecting bitcoin to visit that top band right as like an exit point right, right. so that's where everybody kind of got <clears throat> caught you know holding the bag essentially but the reason why to bring it up now is because now bitcoin is visiting the, the bottom, bottom side of the band yeah. yeah so what do we do about that <clears throat> what, what, what's our after being burned on the upside mm -hmm. by these models what do we do with these models now? Don't get burned on the bottom side. So, but what does that mean? Like you, you purchase. So the models are not invalid at all. Well, I mean, they haven't broken any like bands, yeah. any limits. Yeah. So they're they're not broken. Yeah. It just didn't reach, you know, the what we hoped it would get to. Yeah, everybody in because there's a few things that have been like I guess established over Bitcoin's how many year life cycle 14 roughly 14 years of life mm -hmm. clearly there's wait, like wait, a, 14 years yeah i guess 13 13 13 14 yeah yeah a few things have been established right one for sure it has like a cyclical nature to it and a lot of it is driven by the happening right yeah those are the things we were talking about during the last bear cycle we were speculating what's going to bring the markets back yeah because it was like really hard to think like how are we going to recover from mm. you know yeah the ICO mania and all that stuff. Yeah, and if you're looking at the charts here, I mean, uh, back in 2017, at the end of 2017, it peaked at $20,000. Yeah. And then we had several years of dumping. This is where we started the podcast, went to, uh, you know, 14,000 here. Yeah, go. so we, yeah, we, we started the Here's, podcast when in 2019, you said? Right here. Yeah. $3,000 Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we were like in the thick You and I were debating on whether or not I could go lower. I was like, dude, this is it. This is as low as it's going to go. Yeah. And um, and then we had COVID. And as you can see here in the COVID peak, which is right here, mm -hmm. it, it, it nearly gets close to the bottom band, the CBDD band. Mm -hmm. And um, and then back when we started the podcast, it got really close again, right? In 3,000. Yeah. And COVID comes. We see uh, Elon coming in. Talk some shit about Bitcoin. Michael Saylor. Michael Saylor talks it up. Yeah. And then dumps uh, something. I'm not sure what caused that dump there. Maybe like some, China, I think China, China FUD. Ban. Yeah. China ban. Yeah. We're like, uh, typical stuff. And then here we go. NFTs are popping off. Everybody wants their board apes. And yeah. Like, yeah. This is like when retail really started jumping in. Yeah. So yeah, with all that like hotness, it's like, you know, so much retail presence around this time. I and think everybody was anticipating. Yeah. And most importantly, look at this top band number, right? Here's yeah, another 200K. prediction. 200,000, right? I was like, man, we still got a ways to go, right? This is going to be the lengthening cycle. <laughs> yeah, that was another thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then it goes quite the opposite, right? It starts dumping. Yeah. It's an all-time local low of 17,000 around here in change. Mm -hmm. And uh, and now we're just hovering between 17,000 and 20. 20,000 and change. So it feels eerily reminiscent, right? Yeah. And uh, just, just notice where we are in this band. We're really close to that purple band again, right? The bottom yeah. is around 15,000. So <clears throat> approaching the, the lower bands is a good opportunity to uh, to start looking into Bitcoin again. Is it? So there's nothing about like what's going on now to where you should like hesitate at all? Well, that's the point of this discussion. Yeah, it is. And it's also like, a, I think a big... Uh, driver of like why we're even at this stage of a bottom point of yeah. potential buy opportunities so there's been a lot of external see now that's the thing to talk about is yeah. bitcoin has never been in a recession before 
mm-hmm. it has experienced nothing but positive like macroeconomic um em- em- like emotions i guess like positive yeah. emotions mm-hmm. and um and so now we're starting to evaluate the monetary system as whether or not it's going to be viable in the future yeah and so that has a, a ton of implications as to the value of bitcoin mm-hmm. and so we were talking about you know what is the value of bitcoin versus what is the value of gold and what is the value of fiat currency and it's ultimately a combination of belief network effect government support support aka military military yeah, military. yeah. a lot of things a lot right. of things give things value so you talk to anybody that knows about our monetary system, it's basically um, a self-defeating system. And uh, and then you look at, well, what are the possible alternatives, right? It's going to be either cryptocurrency or we go back to like, you know, trading shekels and trading yeah. all kinds of like physical objects as yeah. a medium exchange, which is just going backwards, right? So the natural step would be what everyone's anticipating to be Bitcoin being the world's reserve currency. Mm. And so that that's really what we're, I guess, debating here is whether or not. Well, it's also to like narrow in and hone in on like the short term uh, importance of that conversation. Yeah. That's like the big umbrella, like a uh, topic of the bare case scenario for, I guess, not even just Bitcoin, everything. Yeah. Everything in society <laughs> that we've all grown to love and adore and adopt as like our daily existence in this planet. Like yeah. that's a big topic to discuss. Yeah. But in this one in particular, just because we, Bitcoin is in these, uh, almost like all time lows, almost like sell your house zone. Yeah. That's how I identify it. Cause we've talked <clears throat> about this before in the past, like, you know, years, cause these models will always exist. Mm-hmm. And like, these are, they're bans for a reason just because they have historical data supporting these support and resistance lines, basically. Mm-hmm. So they're almost, I like to think of them as like, it's, if you're, you're, it's financially irresponsible not to even consider, consider yeah. like uh, adding these assets to your portfolio within these zones. Yeah. You know what I mean? I totally agree. <laughs> but, but considering the, the big umbrella conversation you were just kind of like alluding to. Yeah. Like, d- do you still... Yeah, hold, behave the yeah. same way, or like you know, take those same financial risks. Yes, exactly. At a time like this, and will will other people factor that in? So let, let's talk about the magnitude of the activity that's going on in the macroeconomic sense. Yeah, right. We have Russia and Ukraine, but and China and Taiwan are flirting. China hard. and Taiwan. There's been drones, I think, shot down. You know, there's posturing. There's been posturing for more than a month now between it. it for a while. And then United States positioning themselves in the region. Like, this is not good. Yeah. And on right? top of that, from like the crypto perspective, yeah. we had OFAC, which is yeah. an institution within the United States, regulatory institution, sanctioning a completely decentralized protocol, decentralized protocol known as Tornado Cash. Yeah. And um, and it took down Tornado Cash pretty much like from a, from a value literally standpoint. overnight. Like we tried to chime in to see what's going on over there and gone. Yeah. Website is inaccessible, yeah. but I'm sure if we get a VPN we can access tornado cash, but, but that's illegal apparently. Yeah. Don't going, do that. Yeah. Going to tornado cash. <laughs> we can't is, do that, dude. It's an don't even, illegal like, activity. I thought about it. Like the, even like you typing in that URL, I was like, dude, that's risky. Yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, what? Ca- come at me, bro. But what? that's why they took it down. Right. So like, I know. you know, they can um, give us a, at least like a few day grace period, you know. Yeah. We're just investigating. Yeah. We're not we're, trying to launder anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, well, you're right. That's and, that's another huge consideration that, you know, we're at this bottom zone, which we're calling like the opportunity of like, you know, for sure the next two to four years. We're, we're calling it an opportunity, but there's a caveat. A, a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a caveat in the sense that potentially it could go lower because of the macro economic activity. Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. <clears throat> yeah, because that's what we've always wondered. Like you said, Bitcoin is only like the market of activity is only existed with, you know, positive macro sentiment. Let me yeah. say semi positive. You know, there are people who knew like these these now um these now much more at, like evident like financial dilemmas. Like people were aware like this is at some point going to become a problem. But there was enough, like, you know, injection of liquidity from, you know, Federal Reserve tactics, 
you know. Uh, uh, well, which which problem are you talking about? Russia? No. Like the uh, obvious at some point where we could teeter on the edge of oh. hyperinflation okay, because yeah, yeah. of the uh, mismanagement sure. of, uh, sure. you know, treasury. Well, you, you say mismanagement as if somebody just made the wrong decision. This is a natural progression of the fiat monetary system. Well, no, they made the right decisions in order to keep this, you know, show running. You know, like so. Then what no do you mean by choice. mismanagement? Then, well, by I guess extending, like, um, kicking the can down the road. Yeah, extending it to a point where I, I think everybody knew at some point it's just going to become too big of a problem, or you're creating a bigger and bigger, bigger house of cards essentially. So you know, once you remove the thing that's supporting it, it's going to make a bigger crash. In other words. Um, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I just feel like by design of the fiat monetary system, it is going to kill itself no matter what decision humanity takes with it. Okay. Elaborate and, and, on that. And the reason is, is because yeah. the, the way that fractional reserve banking system works, yeah. it is the loan comes from the federal reserve banks deposit that loan and that loan, once it's deposited, a fraction of that can be loaned out again. Mm -hmm. But that fraction you would think would come from the pool of money that was infused by the government, by the mm -hmm. Federal Reserve, mm -hmm. but it's actually manifested out of thin air. Mm. So that 90% fraction that is loaned out to businesses and people and things like that, it is brand new money that is made out of thin air, mm -hmm. right? So. If you continue on this process, you are just inflating the fiat currency and therefore devaluing it. That's mm -hmm. why if you look at the chart of the value of the dollar, it just goes down. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go up. Mm -hmm. there, there's no mechanism to burn fiat currency. Mm. And so what happens when you have a runaway inflation? You have Venezuela, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so we're in, we're, we've been heading towards Venezuela. It's just very yeah. slowly. Agreed. So that 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 understanding that you have, or this um, impending doomsday type scenario you're painting out, is what I'm saying is people have always known this is either either an inevitability or possibility at some point down the road. Sure, sure. Right. So that's all what I mean by. But it's not as evident as as it is today. Like now, I think sure. this messaging, this understanding is becoming much more ubiquitous because you know now there's evidence to support it. Well, if anyone's in crypto, I mean, I feel like that's this true. Is, this is Native. part of like the, yeah. the 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 education process that you go through of understanding why crypto is so important. Yeah, but that's assuming the majority of participants in crypto like came in for the reason of for sure. like you know looking for more sound financial <laughs> like you know sustainable financial future. Yeah, that's not the case. The majority of people onboarding into this ecosystem normally are looking for yeah. You know, opportunity. Yeah, uh, making for, money for, for gain. Yeah, yeah, personal gain. But, which is, but that's, that's, that's why that's, we're here. That's why we're here is yeah. to talk, to talk about why crypto is important. Because yeah, whether the markets go up or down, you know that this is a better solution mm. to our current monetary problems. Yeah, right. At least, I mean, hmm. I wouldn't say that Bitcoin is just like you know the the it's going to solve everything, but at least it is it is a place where you know that there is no inflation. Mm -hmm. Right. There, there is no such thing to inflate Bitcoin. I see. Right. And so if you're going to store money anywhere, yeah. it, to me, once you understand the value of like the point of Bitcoin, to me, there is no other place besides Bitcoin. Mm, I see. So you're, you're just honing in on the fundamental value right. aspects of Bitcoin right. itself as just a standalone asset in comparison to all the other financial exactly. instruments that exist. That, that give you the option to choose where yeah, you put Because everybody accrues value their life once through whatever means necessary yeah. you know working activities investing. you know hustling you know whatever the fuck yeah you know you're a painter you sell it you make some value yeah now like it's everybody's responsibility at that point of value accrual it's like what do i do how do i distribute this value do i just hold it into like this money system that is kind of like imposed on me at birth yeah which is fiat that's what the majority of people do because you know it's not taught in schools, like how yeah, to actually manage not. your value. Yeah. Like what's optimal? How do I grow this? Like it, I didn't even know. Most people don't even know. Like these, these things you earn can be like, yeah, invested into new vehicles that can yeah. generate you more yield, things yeah. like this. This yeah. is not common knowledge, right? It's not. 
at all. And the, how the monetary system is system even less works, common knowledge. It's even less, yeah. yeah. So that, that's what I'm saying. So, so you're right. <clears throat> if you're one of these types, like basically you, somebody <laughs> like you who actually understands all of these things, very small. Hopefully you guys listening and watching are, are one of these people because then all these charts that we pull up, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's sort of the point of looking at the charts is, is not, it's not, it's not like all of a sudden Bitcoin becomes more innately valuable because it's in this like yeah. buy zone. Right. It Bitcoin doesn't change. Like the fundamentals of Bitcoin hasn't changed one bit since exactly. like the start till now. Exactly. Right. The only thing that's changing is people's like, you know, behavior of like, you know, or sentiment, you know. Yeah. And that's and, all these squiggly lines represent. And, and and that's why I don't really panic whenever we see, you know, low prices for Bitcoin or anything like that. Because yeah. to me, like, this is just the current sentiment. But yeah. if you extrapolate it long enough, mm -hmm. like Bitcoin just seems like it's going to be the most valuable asset on the planet. Okay. So then now let's talk about wh why Bitcoin versus gold. Because gold mm. is an asset that's like obviously revered and, you know, yeah. traditionally... I mean, just open a few history books and you'll see how much, like, how crazy people have went over that, how crazy people were for gold, right? Yeah. Like, so well, nowadays it doesn't seem as alluring to most. To the new generations. <laughs> to, the new, to the newer generations, yeah. yeah. To the graybeards, they're still, you know, cooming over the stuff, <laughs> like, on the daily, you know? Yeah. And they're still walking yeah. around with their gold bracelets and their gold chains and yeah, golded up, dude, you know? But, but us younger folk, you know... I don't know, bling list, dude. Like, bling list, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we, um, yeah. So, so explain. let's, yeah, let's try to uh, position, I, I guess, the status of Bitcoin versus gold, right? So, gold, its valuation is right now roughly eleven point three trillion dollars. Yeah, which is pretty big. Yeah. So that's eleven thousand three hundred billion dollars, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, if you look at Bitcoin, the market cap is only 365 billion. Mm. So we're talking, what is that? How many X's is that? Uh, like, isn't that like a 50X roughly? Yeah, like a 40X or so. Yeah. So pretty, pretty big. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, the multiplier isn't really like the thing to consider. It's just the actual amount of, you know, yeah, <clears throat> capital and liquidity required to get it to that like point where, you know, there's a mirror, like a neck and neck race between these two assets. And it also consider like just the, just the lifespan of them. Yeah. Gold, like I said, it's historically has gone through so much. Well, it was around <laughs> since the big boom, right? Exactly. Or the big bang, I, I should say. The big boom? <laughs> the bang. Big, oh, the big bang. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I don't know. Dude. Yeah. You're going to have to this. Uh, yeah. We're not bringing on Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> in this segment. It's like, how did gold get here? Yeah. But I get it. Yeah. It's, it's a very, you know. There's fundamental reasons to why it's it's valuable too. Yeah. Know, when you bring up the whole, yeah, the uh, universe created it at some point. We don't necessarily have a consensus on belief of like that inception point, right? I mean, maybe scientists do. Well, <clears throat> I mean, it's it's part of all the elements that spawned during that event, right? So okay, but well, yeah, but there's an understanding of why the element of gold mm -hmm. is is. I guess through the process of like the earth's core solidifying and all this stuff, there's a lot of other minerals and elements within this yeah. crust. Of Gold is the just planet. a byproduct of the big bang. And it so happens to be difficult to discover. Yeah. Right. There are no tools that you can go and detect gold, right? Yeah. You have to go and literally dig for it. Okay. And then, uh, that difficulty in that difficulty of getting gold it is presents value. Presents value because you can you can measure the difficulty versus how much gold you find okay. and so measure so its relative uh, scarcity and therefore the you know you know there's not much of it because yeah. we dig a lot. <clears throat> yeah. And we we have a large enough sample pool through our digging endeavors to be like, "Hey man, we're not this gold we, stuff is like kind of hard to find." Yeah. So already like this is like innately understood into our human brains like you know that make that makes it you know semi-valuable or some some kind of value to it right yeah i mean i guess yeah well think about it from oh yeah don't, uh, uh, ignore all this technology yeah 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 <laughs> think about it from like you know a primitive 
human standpoint, dude, sure. there's like nothing cool. Like literally. Yeah. It's you know? just that, you know, the things that are cool, <laughs> are the things that you find. Like the, uh, gold is probably like the coolest thing you can actually like hold in your hands back in those yeah. days because yeah. it's like shiny. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just shiny. <laughs> it looks kind of, I mean, you could mold it and like it looks cool like uh, around your wrist and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So then there's that, you know, factor that in. So that the understanding of gold is cool. And then there's some use cases That's for how the network effect was built, right? Potentially. I, yeah. I mean, that, that has to be the only like explanation of why gold is gold today. Well, not just cool, but, but the, the other things you pointed out, like uh, scarce and difficult to obtain. Yeah. And these are the same tenants of Satoshi's, exactly. you know, Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, you know, tokenomics, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's a finite supply. It's a scarce and then it gets more and more difficult to obtain, I guess, as more and more people go after it. That's right. And, and then it's also becoming more limited over time to, to discover. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, I mean, you couldn't design a better system to uh, compete with gold. Yeah. You couldn't do it. This, well, this would you, be it. Yeah. You had to take all those, you know, obvious value points of gold yeah and just yeah transition it to this new model so i mean it, it obviously it was a brilliant idea yeah and it took off well clearly. i mean the idea itself there's a we're underplaying the how big of an idea that satoshi released here yeah because it solved a big computer science problem okay right in in the fact that you could you could no longer duplicate digital assets anymore yeah. because of blockchain, right? And that's, that's a big discovery, right, from a digital perspective. And, um, and so that, that's how we could have money, digital, digital money, is because you can't duplicate it, right? Yeah. yeah. So that, that was, I mean, such a big discovery that, I mean, if, if he were around today, he would have several Nobel Prizes as a result. Mm. Um, so... <clears throat> So anyway, now we're comparing the effect of Bitcoin and its potential versus gold and its history. And we're starting to see that it feels like it's inevitable that Bitcoin becomes more valuable than gold and probably the most valuable asset beyond land on earth. Mm. And so that, that has huge implications, right? And yeah. so when you're thinking about where, where to move your money, like it just seems obvious. I don't know why it's it's difficult for people to understand. Dude, you gotta stop assuming Isn't things it seem obvious? obvious, dude. It's definitely not obvious. It, it might not be obvious, but if you do the due diligence, okay. it becomes obvious. I, I still don't even know if obvious is the word, but I guess it's just like uh, inevitable. I mean, how's it? I, I just don't understand how it's not obvious. I I, I don't know. I, I feel like if if we could live a thousand years from now, you, you we would you and I talking a thousand years from now, we'd be mm -hmm. like, yeah. Bitcoin, the most valuable asset, it was obvious, right? Mm. I feel like that's the conversation we would have. Probably. But yeah, we got to get to that point in order to... Yeah. Hindsight, sure. of course, is what I'm saying. But it's, yeah, it's just not obvious. It's like... And, um, it's, and it's... I mean, we have parallels. The internet, right? In the 70s, the internet was mm. invented. It was very crude, very okay. not useful. But you can see people worked on the internet in the 70s. I think I know what you're saying now. Yeah. Like, well, like, but, but the thing is, it's not, you have to have deep understandings. Oh, a hundred percent. That's to why get we do to that this. obvious like conclusion or assumption, make these assumptions. That, yeah. And that's why we do this. Yeah. That is why we do this. And there's other like obvious things I think that we have identified that are looming. Yeah. Things like the metaverse, especially. Yes. Right. Like that to you, <laughs> you're like, isn't it obvious? It's like <laughs> at some point, like everybody's going to, you know, be a part of this metaverse stuff. But yeah. Right now we're in the deepest trenches of a bear market and like nobody around can really like pinpoint the obviousness of the metaverse. Like what's going to make it's, it. It is difficult for yeah, sure. That's what I'm saying. So it's not obvious innately, not obvious, but when you actually like consider everything that the scope of our today existence, yeah, the activities that humans seem to be like, you know, uh, attracted to, yeah, which is very much influenced by our, you know, digital uh, identities and stuff like that. So, if you factor in all that, and and you just you 
you would extrapolate into a much more immersive experience and stuff like that, it, it seems obvious that people are going to gravitate and like yeah. want to be a part of that. Sure. And if you factor in even more like economic opportunities and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's not so difficult to really comprehend because we spend so much time in the digital space as it is. It's just yeah. everything in 2D. Yeah. Right. I mean, is it much of a stretch to believe that we're going to be spending the same amount of time, if not more, when everything's in 3D? That's exactly right. Uh, it's not obvious at first, I guess, because I, I think people just are not used to they, the... They don't even recognize that they're in the digital space when they're interacting with their Instagrams and Facebooks no, exactly. and Twitter. Yeah, because we've become so like comfortable and like uh, we've adapted to these yeah. interfaces so well. Because, yeah. I mean, they're easy to use and, you know, they're they're portable. You can stick them in your pocket, all these things. Like, so they're ultra useful. Yeah, yeah. And they improve your lives on so many different, you know, aspects. Like, it's 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 one of those things you can't live without at this point. Because if you do, you're just, you're a weaker human, essentially. Yeah. Like, imagine walking, wandering the earth without, like, Google at your hands. Yeah. I mean, like, we, if you ever have, like, a, a problem, you have to, like use your own brain <laughs> yeah. what a disadvantage yeah, i mean we've been there i yeah. remember when uh, i was in college i mean um there there weren't a lot of gps enabled devices yeah that you could go and like find a party at yeah right you'd have to like print out MapQuest. yeah and like drive there like look at signs yeah to get to your destination yep and uh it wasn't it, i mean at the time you didn't know that yeah. it, there could be a better way yeah, and it wasn't obvious at that time. It's like you know, satellites were going to enable yeah. a, a future where we're not going to depend on paper diagrams to yeah. like navigate us. It yeah, wasn't yeah. obvious. Yeah, but now looking back, oh, dude, it's obvious as fuck. Like, yeah. come on, how, could, how that, could we not? How do you, you know? navigate without GPS? <laughs> yeah, right. Most people couldn't do it. Yeah. So things are not basically. Yeah, it's it's. But it takes that. But, but that, hold on. So so yeah, yeah. let's go back to the MapQuest GPS idea there. Okay. If you were an engineer, uh, a global positioning engineer, yes. you would say this is obvious that yeah. everybody's going to need this. Yes. Because everybody needs to travel and figure out how to get to wherever they're going. Mm -hmm. It's obvious. Well, your job as an engineer is to figure out like efficiencies, right? And like, that's and that's the point. Now going back to the internet. Yeah. idea yeah like the people working on the internet in the 70s they thought yeah. it was obvious that it's obvious that people yeah. are going to communicate with each other yeah it's just better it's yeah. more efficient and it's it's instant there's no like traveling required but you know what's crazy is that in the 70s personal computers were like an idea mm -hmm. and so personal computers yeah personal computers oh was, yeah they, they had they had like rudimentary laptops like those, that as big as yeah. like a a fridge yeah yeah and like um so it it was probably difficult to comprehend that everybody yeah would have a computer in their house. It wasn't obvious. Yeah, but it was obvious to Steve Jobs. Steve right? Jobs. It was yeah. obvious to, to him. Apple. Yeah, they were the ones in those you know in the little garage. Yeah, and Bill Gates. The too. only ones who yeah, just the small pockets I guess of like early Silicon Valley is like, dude, this is gonna happen. But we're identifying a trend here: the people who understand the technology. Yeah understand that this becomes obvious or i guess like the inefficiencies too of like modern living at at a specific point in time yeah you know like yeah yeah yeah. like right now we're talking about bitcoin versus existing financial systems like there's tons of inefficiencies within oh, yeah. this financial system but it, it it's not obvious that there's an alternative solution and like something that's better than money well, today it's obvious to us <laughs> i know right? what i'm saying is go back to the it's not obvious that everybody's going to have personal computers at some right. point in the future. That's what I mean. Like, oh yeah, I'm for, for the from most like people, a, yeah, yeah, I totally from like agree. a public sentiment perspective. Yeah, it's not obvious. Yeah, but but doesn't make it. It doesn't need to be obvious. That, yeah. that that's why those of you who are listening to us, <laughs> we said obvious this, like a hundred times <laughs> in the last like twenty minutes. <laughs> but yeah, but those of you who are watching and listening, they get to understand that it is obvious, right? Because that's true. Because it, it presents an opportunity. Most people are not paying attention. That's a good point. Especially during the bear markets. Everyone has turned off all the YouTubers, yeah. shilling these different projects. Yeah. And most people are just not listening. Yeah. But but those who still are, their understanding is like, yeah, this is pretty much inevitable. Yeah. Right? And so then you put your chips where, where it makes sense. Totally. 
Um, so, I mean, I mean, I, I really like talking about the, the whole internet. <laughs> I know. Personal computers. Like, cause, well, cause now re- here we history are, repeats itself. I know, but here we are. And, and that's why I brought up the metaverse. Because, like, to us, it can't seem any more obvious, I don't think. Yeah. Like, uh, and then, he, I don't know, like, last time, whenever we first got involved in the metaverse space, we were definitely questioning our sanity quite frequently. For sure. Because we felt like something was obvious, but uh, nobody else did. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Uh, there was no, like, um, confirmation, validation, reinforcement from any source other than, like, the small pockets of people that we met who also felt it was obvious. Yeah. You know? But then um, something happened in between then and now where now more people have, like, embraced the concepts and ideas that we've kind of stumbled on. And yeah. for, like, a short frame of time they's like hey this is obvious too yeah, yeah you know yeah. <laughs> then these multi-trillion dollars projections start coming out of nowhere it's like now fast forward till now it's like it seems like a lot of that sentiment has left the room yeah and we're back here like you know people are asking is is, is it inevitable or not yeah you know the metaverse is what i'm talking about yeah. as people i'm sure in the early days of personal computing the internet all these technical leaps yeah. That humanity makes, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. That's part of our responsibility as like on this channel, as thought leaders of the space, especially the metaverse and like web three, all this stuff. Yeah. We have to try and make this obvious to the masses. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Step one to do that. <laughs> How yeah. do we do that, dude? <laughs> How do we make this obvious? How do we do that? Well, first things first, um, <clears throat> Start playing some video games. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I feel like it, it's it's intuitive mm-hmm. to to think that the metaverse is obvious if you are a video game. Yeah, I think it consumer. accelerates it accelerates that bridge of understanding. Yeah, it's almost like 100%. like the bridge for people to find the obviousness, like value in cryptocurrency. That bridge is like understanding the like monetary systems and finances. Hundred percent. Like yeah, that, yeah. that's a huge bridge to cross. Oh yeah, that's difficult so the bridge for the metaverse reality is like even like most people haven't even been exposed to like 3d virtual environments in their life like they like you have to be a gamer to even like encounter stuff like this you you, know? you would have to be a gamer yeah because like you're saying the masses are consuming 2d interface like 2d environments yeah right so it's just not obvious like what do you mean the internet's going to be immersive like yeah. i don't even i don't need like, that I, I live i'm already living yeah. i'm immersed yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean yeah I don't need to go anywhere else. It's another no virtual environments to like, you know, experience what socializing is like, or you know, maybe establish Man. relationships. Now that I think about it, that's a, that's a big leap. It's a, it is now, but but then again, video game industry is one of the bigger industries out there. Oh yeah, it's bigger than it's movies because it's great. Dude. Bigger than music. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I would. There's hundreds of millions of players. Yeah. So the industry is big enough, right? So there, there's a lot of. Uh, easy to onboard types of people into the metaverse yeah. rather than the billions who don't partake in yeah. 3d gaming yeah i mean there's a lot of people gaming but probably like on their phones isn't the mobile market like the, the biggest gaming market so it that's is. that's to me see that's that, not that's not real games <laughs> that's not that's that's <laughs> well, more like are. time killers of like i mean brain you, killing you, activities you could play Fortnite. yeah stuff good point. like that yeah I don't think the masses who are playing mobile games are playing Fortnite though. They're mm. playing like their like little candy BS games like that. I don't know. We'd have to like go down the the list and like see the actual see the most popular mobile games. But I'm pretty sure Fortnite and like Minecraft is like and Roblox are just killing everything right now on all platforms. But anyways, but nonetheless, it's still like you're just you have this phone in your hand and yeah. I don't think you actually have made that leap or crossed that bridge, even if you're like, that's your portal of consumption. Huh. Yeah. I think more like maybe like the PC gaming race <laughs> or the console gamer yeah. has a much closer, a much better shot at like understanding. Oh yeah, of course. You know, the future is going to be virtual. Duh. Hmm. You know what I mean? But but why the distinction of PC gamer versus like the mobile player? I don't know. Maybe it's just like the, the, the controlling aspect. You just feel much more like connected a, to your actual in-game presence. You know, you're holding a remote Okay, and you're, okay. you're much, it's more dexterity involved. So you feel like, like there's more immersion in like 
Uh, console or PC. Yeah, PC even PC. more so. Like you're just you're fucking going crazy all the time when you're on a PC. You know what I That's mean? That's interesting. Like you're, you're you're everything, like your finger dexterity, your wrists, your elbows, you know, your your vision, everything is such a major factor. Like huh. you're you're basically in a virtual like all of your senses are pretty much like huh. focused on that virtual space. So so what happens in like a mobile gaming I like mean, you're, you're just, just like, like moving your thumbs and that's it. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's, that's, I mean, you're still plugged in, but you're, I feel it's much more disconnected than, you know, huh, interesting. That's just my perspective, but it's interesting. But nonetheless, it's, it's interesting because in social media, people are like endlessly scrolling. Yeah, that's true. But like, like it, it's, it's so, it's such a problem that it, it has psychological effects on humanity. And what the fact like, that you're spending so much time on social media. <sighs> Yeah, and then also to add on, like, the fact that these algorithms are so powerful at oh, this yeah. stage, and yeah. it influences, like, yeah, like, uh, global thought. Yeah, it does. <laughs> behaviors and it stuff does. like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's always a double-edged situation, no matter what. Yeah, but, but that's that's interesting, though, that you, you made that distinction between, like, immersion versus, like, such an easily handled device, like a cell phone, and yeah. that... that disconnects you from that immersion yeah it's it's not entirely it's just like a it's a, it's a threshold thing you know it's like a percentage is probably mm-hmm. i don't know like mobile to gaming is probably like 10 percent of like an immersive experience mm. consoles probably like 30 40 percent pcs like 60 70 and then vr is like the whole thing yeah <laughs> you can't escape max, it at that yeah point. yeah that's max max level. immersion that's my opinion of it but nonetheless if you're on that spectrum at some point like you've 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 at least you're on the bridge. Yeah, you're yeah, you're on the bridge. So right. that's the bridge, but the people on the other side of that bridge are the ones who put on those VR headsets and stuff. They're yeah, yeah. fully immersed. They're in all the way. Yeah. You don't need to convince them of nothing. Yeah, they they I, see the value in it. Yeah. Uh, we were watching um I forgot what the name of the movie was, oh, but yeah, a documentary dude. on HBO Max. Yeah, that that was interesting. Um fuck, we met in the we met, we met in VR. In VR, something like that. Yeah, it was about VR chat. Yeah. And uh, the, the whole thing was shot in VR chat. Yeah, and uh, it was about these people talking about their experiences in VR chat, like uh, yeah. um, emotional experiences, social, and they were hardcore because you could tell because um, they were like dancing and shit. So they were wearing like yeah, they were full the, geared. They were fully decked. <clears throat> so those are those people are all in. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, they talk about that and like why. Why yeah. would you commit yourself this much to like these virtual experiences? Like, you know. Yeah, and they mentioned COVID contributed to that. Yeah. And and people have a need to have social experiences even under those conditions. See? Yeah. And then like somebody who hasn't even stepped on the bridge would be like, Well, why don't you just, you know, go meet people? As if like that's for some people on earth, that's not Yeah. There's a, anxiety <laughs> issues. Exactly. That there could be disabilities, disabilities even. Disabilities, yeah. Yeah, and so there's an obvious huge utility to like these social VR social platforms where now these needs can be met, like you said. Oh, uh, yeah. And I think that was the the gist that I got from it. And then also there's people actually making a living, I think, like educators. Yeah. There's like sign language. Sign language. Which, yeah. And it was spot on, dude. I mean, she must have had like all of her fingers yeah. tracked. Yeah. It everything. Like, it's very impressive. There are people dancing too and like you can see hips moving, legs, feet, everything. Yeah. So that was a glimpse of, um, but it just, it, even to me, that felt weird a little bit. Hmm. To me. Yeah. Like, and I, I've spent probably more time of my life, like, you know, immersed yeah. in virtual environments than not. I mean, I guess the main activity in this uh, VR chat is to socialize. Yeah, which, which but I got that immediately. It was like, dude, I, it brought back flashbacks. Right, of, but uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't yeah. be like, you know, uh, you know, itching to jump in to like socialize. You'd be itching to like shoot at people and like compete in in a game. Whatever is fun, yeah. Whatever is fun within that environment. Like, cause I remember, you know, I played games like uh, Battlefield and stuff like that back in the day. I don't know if you, it's like a war yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know, the purpose of the game is to you know you load into servers. There's two sides to us, and you load into a map, probably like ten v ten. You start at two corners of the map, and then game begins and then you just kind of like run converge <laughs> into, and, converge into the battlefield let's see who wins see who can kill the most opponents yeah but like even within that framework 
like the community became so like interconnected. There yeah. was like a social environment to it. Like people stopped running into the middle of the battlefield to kill each other. Instead. Oh really? People talked to each other. They like, met. In yeah. The- we were just hanging out <laughs> and like shooting the shit. And then like, we'd even do things like knife fights, like just for fun. And like everybody would be around watching like two dudes yeah. fight like with a knife. That's not the, the game devs didn't think that yeah. was going to happen. Yeah, that's true. But that just shows there's like this innate, like desire to just huh. like communicate and socialize even like you know fighting yeah. versus environment you know what i mean that that is very interesting yeah i'm sure is. that was like such a such a fun thing to do just because oh, it's, yeah it's the opposite of what you should be doing in that game yeah it was so fun like all i wanted to do was come home from school and yeah. like meet my my bros my virtual bros and yeah. like load <laughs> into these maps and like just because there was voice speak right and they were like talking and stuff like yeah. that yeah yeah and that's that's that was like that's what I'm saying, dude. Like I've crossed the bridge, <laughs> <laughs> big time. Yeah. So I, you don't have to convince me of nothing. It's obvious to me. Yeah. Like, this is where we're headed. Yeah. But I know I, I'm aware. I'm not like the majority. I'm a very small pocket of like people yeah. who've actually like experienced that. Yeah. So. so so you're saying that those that are claiming that the metaverse is going to be multi-trillion dollars, it's obvious to them. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Because either they've experienced it themselves, you know. Because right now gaming is not a trillion dollar industry. No, but I mean, there's, you know, you could, you know, do the little, what's it called? Projections and yeah. stuff like that. Extrapolations. Yeah. And then you can see gaming is only going to get bigger and bigger. It's like For swallowing sure. entertainment industries and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. And then you do like the, the figures of like, you know, internet connectivity is probably going to continue to grow yeah. into the future, onboarding more users. Uh, consoles hopefully they'll become more accessible cheaper you know mobile gaming obviously is becoming more popular and everybody has a device so this is factor in all those things yeah and then inject potential like web3 you know ownership of assets type stuff and it's over you've got a perfect storm scenario yeah you got <laughs> yeah. the biggest country ever formed by humanity potential here yeah digital yeah. society or yeah. whatever is virtual, that what you mean virtual so- yeah virtual societies yeah, but see, that's even a whole other subject. Like, I'm just, I don't know if, like, those people laying out those projections are, f- like, thinking of it like that, you know? They might just they be might simply. Not. They might not. They might just be simply assuming gaming is just going to become much more enjoyable in huh. the metaverse because it's more immersive and stuff like that. I don't know. We'd have to do, maybe do some more interviews with uh, Goldman. Yeah, Goldman <laughs> Goldman Sachs. analysts in, like, uh, yeah. City. Yeah. yeah, it's like a bunch of banks that are like making these big predictions. I wonder why, man. I'm trying to figure out why why such large predictions, though, because they are including like hardware and things like that. But but 13 trillion just seems seems high, I don't especially know. in this decade. By 2030, 13 trillion. It's a lot, um, and it's 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 yeah, it's that that number is huge, and it's at the scale of like. Small you know, nations. You, you know how I like say, um, <clears throat> in order for big, because you th- you're confident in that Bitcoin's going to be a million dollars per, yeah, within the next ten years, right? Yeah, like y- yeah, in yeah, your yeah. mind, it's like 100 percent has to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm mining Bitcoin <laughs> right now, dude. I know, I know, I know. What I'm just saying, but in my mind, like, in order for that to happen, like, the value, so much consensus of like world, mm-hmm. uh, yeah world activity has to like you know align acknowledge that exactly and uh the same goes for this these metaverse predictions like in order for that to happen there has to be like a a ubiquitous acknowledgement that you know this this virtual experience is better than physical i feel like we're on the way i mean especially with facebook changing their name to meta and completely focusing on the metaverse Mm -hmm. like companies are starting to recognize that yeah but I still, I factor in all of this, like the Bitcoin projections, the metaverse projections. <clears throat> it's, it's just, damn, it's very disruptive. Oh yeah. To like That's true. how life is right now. It is. And what are the impacts of that? Like what, what's, 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 what's the fallout? Oh, I see where you're, <laughs> I see where you're going with this. You're saying that there's going to be friction before we get there. Well, I always assume Yeah. friction, like, yeah. <clears throat> Cause he, again, these are insane predictions, just like million dollar Bitcoin is kind of insane. It's not like mathematically insane. It's actually like sensible. 
yeah. when you do it like that. But well, I'm talking from like a macro, like civilization sure. standpoint. Like, sure. you know, that's a radical shift. Yeah. So what happens in between? <laughs> it's like, uh, that's what I always think about that. Yeah. There's no, I don't believe anything is a smooth transition. Anytime there's like a paradigm shift. Hmm. And this is a paradigm shift. Yeah. Like it, it's not smooth. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, but I wonder what, what friction could you be speaking of? Like what, when you say when you when you say it's not going to be smooth, what what do you mean? I mean, I guess it could. Like the internet as a whole is probably a multi-trillion dollar. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's a multi-trillion yeah. dollar Easy. ecosystem. Yeah, and no, nothing really has really happened negatively, right? Like other than like the destruction of like human psyche. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> a small. That's a small cost. whatever, dude. Fuck that. Yeah. We don't need you know happiness <laughs> as long as we have the internet. Yeah. But yeah, there really hasn't been any like real friction. Yeah. So that that does damper my. Mood but you know what? But the internet is enabled communication. Yeah. Blockchain and Bitcoin transitions the reins from like today's world reserve currency, the dollar, mm-hmm. to the new world reserve currency, the Bitcoin. Mm. And so with that, I do agree. There's going to be some friction there. Yeah. And uh, I just don't know true. what that friction is going to look like. Well, yeah, I don't either, but... It, it could be like sanctions and like yeah, Bitcoin th- yeah. all of a sudden is just like an illegal activity. Yeah. Like that's the sort of the friction that I'm thinking of. And then I also think like, you know, because we make these gold versus Bitcoin comparisons, as we should, because yeah. it's kind of like that is Bitcoin's main use case. Yeah. It's, it's another digital store of value. So you got to make the comparison. So yeah, I, I look at analyze gold's history of friction inducing, Yeah, you know, like civilizations have risen and fallen off of the support or like the, the, the demand for this thing. So it's like, how, how is Bitcoin going to like all of a sudden take supreme reign over that mm. and do it so in like a yeah. smooth, like frictionless sure. fashion? Is that really what's going to happen? Are we like that civilized at this point? Like we're just going to. Well, man, you you bring up a good point because the United States is not going to be the first one to say, hey, let's, you you know, let's switch up this uh, Federal Reserve currency. Yeah. You know, the world's reserve currency now is the Bitcoin, right? It's not going to be the United States offering that up, Mm. right? What what, what I think is going to happen is other countries are just going to select it and, and, and start transacting in it. Yeah. And then it's it is by default the world's reserve currency if everyone else deems it so. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's how it would happen. And uh, I guess the big question here is whether or not the, the United States is going to play along or resist and and make you know interaction with any blockchain like a criminal yeah. activity. But we know it's like um, for no matter what, like these these countries have. Positions of power, they're never going to, like, give their citizens, like, um, mm. that absolute freedom not to, like, rely on the the currency of a nation to be, like, you know. So, already we're already seeing it. Like, uh, central bank digital currencies for sure is going to be part of the future. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's, it's already here, like, ready for launch. In a yeah. lot of cases, the United States way behind in that, yeah. I think. But they're going to catch up at some point. But the point being... It doesn't matter if the dollar is physical or digital. There still has to be confidence in this nation's, you know, state of affairs. You know, so as of right now, gold is a huge component of that. Military strength, all that, right? Yeah. Uh, economic strength, um, positioning of like Such gold point. as part of your treasury of assets and stuff like that. So yeah, Bitcoin, if if it has to factor into that, then there, there's all of a sudden Bitcoin becomes, you know, yeah. a contentious thing. Yeah. Right. If, if there's going to be a new positioning of power, like who's going to be the new world reserve asset within like the geopolitical scene. Yeah. Now it's like we have to start factoring in because Bitcoin's scarce. We can't just distribute it amongst each other like frivolously. Yeah. It's the scarcest <laughs> asset. You're going to have to claim it. Yeah. Get it from somewhere. Right. From somewhere that it doesn't belong to you now, but yes. you want it to yes. belong to you so that you could strengthen your position in the geopolitical scene. Yeah. And like your CBDC all of a sudden is... Is that much more uh, liquid. Yeah, that and like uh, relied on yeah. in the global economy. Damn, right? such a good point. <sighs> yeah. So hopefully I haven't scared too many people. 
Because <laughs> in my I mind, I feel like this is the most interesting conversation to be had. Really, is talking about how the geopolitical structures yeah. are going to, yeah, either change or morph based on other countries' adoption of a new world reserve currency. Mm. Yeah, because that that like I said, all this stuff, everything that Web three is about is just so yeah yeah disruptive. Yeah. To like today's that's, life. That's so great, man. I mean, <laughs> how it? could you want to be in any other industry? I don't, I don't understand. I mean, but, but I mean, we need to go to the Taco Bell and stuff like that, dude. You can't, <laughs> we can't all just be building blockchains and shit. Like <laughs> there's a whole world out there, dude. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I, you're right. I don't know. I think these conversations do have to be had just like we had, you know, a year or two ago, it was like, what's the United States? How are they going to react to all this? And now we're just now getting like a glimpse. And we've seen, yeah, yeah. We've seen like what, what sort of like levers they pull. They, yeah. they start sanctioning stuff. And, and I feel like we haven't seen shit yet. Yeah. This is, <laughs> in, yeah. yeah. Like I said, once they realize, because DeFi is, it's a baby. Yeah. But once like we start to see real adoption across the board, you know, DeFi, the metaverse, cryptocurrencies, just the virtual landscape like i feel it, like the metaverse it's, it's the biggest existential threat i i feel like when it comes to blockchain it, it is such the biggest it's like one of the biggest curveballs that any country could face yeah just blockchain itself and then comes the metaverse where you have your own citizens participating in a new digital nation yeah and now you got to deal with like taxes of like that activity i mean i mean we, we, we were like we were chiming in on like a twitter space earlier today for the decentraland like community yeah they were like fighting and bickering over like a two hundred thousand dollar grant or something like that like yeah. imagine if like the, you know decentraland's huge there's tens of millions of users they've they have the biggest dow yeah multi-billion dollars of annual yeah revenue hundreds of billions yeah hundreds of billions yeah potentially yeah rivaling Real world nations, yeah, economies, GDPs, whatever. Yeah, yeah. What? What? <laughs> how the hell is the United <laughs> States or like any government power going to like come in? Like, we need to negotiate with this DAO. Yeah, and like you know, we see like you guys are siphoning a lot of like economic activity from like our country or something. So yeah, how about our citizens who are participating in that? We we need to like tax them if they're earning yeah. any kind of revenue stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, good luck, dude. It's gonna be a tough man argument. That's so interesting. God. Yeah, but that's see, that's the government's fucked in that respect. <laughs> in that yeah. respect, because well, it depends. We can't even agree on like little things. It just depends. You know? I mean, if if the off ramp is a CBDC, like you need to pay your taxes in CBDC. Yeah. Um, there's a chance that the governments could recover some of the activity True. there. And also, you got to factor in <clears throat> maturation, <laughs> just because. These today DAOs are very uncoordinated and disorganized and chaotic. Doesn't mean future DAOs will be that. Yeah. We're going to figure out order and structure to Which, all of this. Yeah. At some I point. mean, I don't know, dude. We haven't figured no. out governance in hundreds of years. I, I don't know if all of a sudden blockchain uh, enthusiasts are going to figure that out. It might just because there's so much like aligned incentive to have it figured out you know that's true it's better better so than you, they, you've commoditized governance in yeah. that point now yeah. people are who are typically not in governance yeah. like spaces yeah all of a sudden like like you and i we're in in the blockchain space talking about the monetary system yeah like that that sort of um, knowledge is sort of required to be in blockchain i mean if you really want to get into the fundamentals yeah but in the same time now you and i are talking about you know, working on governance systems, Yep. right? Without blockchain, we wouldn't be talking about this stuff. No, governance just becomes like a boardroom meeting. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. But this is like, how do we, how do we balance the, the, that? Cause that's still like an important activity. You know, there has to be founding organizations that bring life to yeah ecosystems. But then it's like, if you wanted to properly decentralize it, so a tornado cash situation isn't possible. You yeah. know, it has to be like there's no single vector of attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you want your your ecosystem to sustain and to be, I guess, indestructible or <laughs> I don't know, yeah, non-censorable, all the buzzwords of a uh, I guess Web three blockchain, then you're gonna have to figure out how to bring the community into this for sure and like really distribute like the ownership the control 
Yeah. Voting power. Yeah. Everything. The decision making. All that. Yeah. It's so interesting, man. I, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm glad we're in this for real, but we knew all this was going to be important. So yeah, last cycle, that's why we were all like pumped. We did daily videos because like all these projects we're saying they're going to do all this, you know? Yeah. It's like this X project was like, we're going to focus on identity on chain identity. Fuck yeah. We yeah. need that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this project we're building standards and frameworks for like, you know, ecosystems to, you know, deploy governance to their community. Fuck yeah. We need that. Yeah. yeah. We're doing this. We're like, now you could freely trade, you know, it's a decentralized exchange. And then that's great. And then like uh, there's liquidity issues. Oh, we solving this. Like yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. everything is happening and everybody's aware. Everybody's connected to yeah. this like huge goal that is, I guess, like killing the United States. <laughs> 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 I, I'm just saying, this is what it feels yeah, like. We're sometimes. all aligned to destroy the United States. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what it feels like. I mean, like. It, that is what's happening though. Yeah. Because the United States is the leader. Yeah. Right. And and with this, like working, yeah. they will not be the leader. They yeah. would just be a participant of the ecosystem. You're gonna have to. You have to fall in line with like the people, the yeah. people's yeah. online society. You know. Man, so we should have another podcast talking about the Constitution and how outdated it is. <laughs> well, shit. I only I mean, know like two or three of those uh like, those Bill of Rights. <laughs> We'd have to really do some research. Yeah. Uh, or amendments or whatever. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's been a while. I mean, even even our own country is uh, stepping on our own rights. You mm. know, speaking of the tornado cash incident. Mm. But nonetheless, so that's been the podcast for today. It's been an hour. I appreciate you guys listening and, and watching and commenting on, on YouTube. Yeah. We, we uh, respond to all the comments there. So definitely give us your thoughts on everything we spoke about today. Um. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Blockrunner, at Metazone.io, and at Rovi AI. And I guess we'll catch you in the next uh, podcast. Yep, we'll be back. Peace.